This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. For long-term Premier Chels fans, I brought back that intro because it, it makes me feel like the old days, the good old days, when we used to win on a semi-frequent basis. And so a little bit of cheering, a little bit of celebration. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but Rahul, welcome back to the podcast, my friend. That was a great introduction, and when those wins are so rare, I think we have to celebrate them. The little moments, my friend, the little moments is all I can take. Indeed. <laughs> to have a little bit of passion left in my system and get a little bit excited. But we played Leeds. Do you want to jump right into it and maybe go through the starting lineup? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, I don't know if this was uh, Graham Potter or Thomas <laughs> Tuchel showed up in the body of Graham Potter, but... We got a back three, which I think, you know, a lot of fans, including myself and you, were wondering if we were going to see some change. So we did get a back three. Kepa played in goal. Kofana, Kulabali, Badishile as the back three. Loftus-Cheek coming back as a right wing back with Reese uh, having a little bit of, I believe, tightness. Enzo Kovacic in, in the pivot. Ben Chilwell back in his left wing back position. And then it was a, up top, uh, Sterling, Kai Havertz, and Jao Felix. Yeah, so like you said, and like most fans know, Graham Tinkerman Tuchel, I guess we'll call him this time around because <laughs> he likes to tinker with the formation, but he kind of pulled in Thomas Tuchel's formation, style, dare I say tactics even, maybe, I'm not sure, but strong lineup. I think Chelsea have a fantastic 11 all the time when they come onto the pitch, and so it's expected. But let's talk about a few players and go through it. Rahul Fofana, I think, made his comeback either the last game or the game before where he came on as a substitute looked good when he came on as a sub looked even better in this game. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but do you think he's been a miss maybe to have that formation change or his physicality, his height, something like that? You could, I think you could say that he's, we haven't seen enough from him. I know what we bought was potential. We mm -hmm. bought someone who had been very solid for Lester yeah. uh, prior to his injury, maybe a year or so ago. Uh, where I think he broke his leg. So before that, even against us in that FA Cup final in 2021, mm -hmm. uh, he was very key to them keeping a clean sheet, winning the cup ultimately. Um, so I think we haven't seen that player yet, but in the last, you know, like you said, two games or so when he's come on, he hasn't done anything wrong. And I think I was asking for Badashile to come on more just because he was in form. But Fofana, mm -hmm. Fofana has worked himself into form and, uh, turned into a defender that we can count on in the absence of Thiago Silva and, and maybe the likes of Espelicueta. And that's what you want, right? You want these players that maybe you brought them for the future, but when called upon immediately, they put in a performance. And in this case, Fofana puts in a fantastic performance. And like I said early on, we'll get to his goal and how the, the game played out with him there. Let's talk a little bit about the midfield. Enzo Fernandez and Kovacic building a little bit of relationship. Ben Chilwell in his natural wing-back position that he's played for several years, maybe two years now, and he's, you know, slots right into it, fits him really well. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Rahul, he gets a lot of stick, but he seems to be our utility player these days. 
He plays in the pivot, plays in the three, plays sometimes up front. How did you make out of his, you know, selection and and playing wing back? I, I think we we've seen him do it before. He's comfortable doing it. I think he had a very good game against Real Madrid away last year. Uh, so it's not a position that he kind of looks out of place in. He d- definitely gets in and does a job, and it supports his his attributes of it being mm-hmm. able to drive. Gives him maybe a little bit more room where uh, where it's not crowded versus the midfield. Uh, but it's not Reese James. Uh, but I definitely think having him there as an option isn't a bad uh, thing because you can always uh, allow Reese to not play a game like this if he's feeling a little bit tight, which was the case, or if he's not just not feeling up to it, uh, rather than risking him and getting a long-term injury, mm-hmm. having someone that can come in and do a job like like Loftus-Cheek did isn't a bad option at all. Not at all. I think he did pretty well overall in the game as we go through it a little bit later on. I want to talk about the front three. I think Jao Felix and Raheem Sterling at this point in time might be the preferred attackers or at least attackers that are in form and should get picked. Let's talk a little bit about Kai Havertz. I think Kai Havertz is one that is a name on all Chelsea fans' lips these days for unfortunately bad reasons, not good reasons. He hasn't really put in a good performance, in my opinion, in probably the better part of three, four months for Hull. I don't think he's got a goal in in 10-plus appearances. I don't think he has an assist. I don't think he contributes much, much up front. Now, I must note, he's not a striker naturally, and he's being asked to play a role, and he works hard, and he runs around, and he tries to do some stuff. But what do other players need to do to get into the starting lineup ahead of Kai Havertz as a, as a number nine? That's a, I mean, that's a great question. And I, th- I think when you say other players, we're really talking about Aubameyang and, yeah. and Datro Fofana, who I think at this point, Datro Fofana, is he injured? Because I don't think we've seen him even in the 18 yeah. uh, ever since the Southampton game. But either way, Aubameyang's there and clearly he's out of favor. So I just think it's come down to we don't have another player long term that's going to be competing with Kai. And so Kai continues to play. Obviously, he's not there for the goals, which is weird to say because he's playing in a position that needs to contribute goals. Uh, but clearly, Graham Potter sees something. It's getting more out of him in terms of off the ball, maybe, or just connecting with with Chow Felix, Sterling. Uh, I'm not sure. And I mean, he does get the opportunities. And even in this game, he was, I believe, one-on-one with the goalie. And if he gets it, it's a different conversation, but uh, I just don't think it's going for him just like it hadn't been going for us. And I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> at least we came out on the other side. We did come out on the other side. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that. But coming back to the Kai Havertz situation, Rahul, he scored six goals all season long. And I hate to compare him to this, but I think you look back a couple of seasons, Marcus Alonso from left back was getting six or seven goals. And so well, whether or not he's a striker, right, I think you kind of have to push him a little bit more. And I know the team overall is struggling, and so I don't want to pick on Kai Havertz for too long, but something needs to change whether he gets more goals or finds a way to get more assists or Grand Potter needs to figure out what he's going to do with that striking situation as we go to it. But Yeah, I heavy- feel like... Sorry, I, didn't, I don't mean to cut you off. I, I just feel like we focus so much on Kai just because there's no one else that yeah. is there. Uh, but when Timo Werner was there, I think he was getting... Maybe not six, but seven, eight, nine goals. Right. Lukaku was also in and around. So I, it, it, I think it just comes down to how we utilize that front mm. man and, and that player. 
but I look at it and Kai's still only 23. So yeah. he's still very early in his career. And uh, I'm not saying his output is good and I'm not defending it, but I think, you know, with, with the way we play, uh, maybe he's a victim of the system in a sense. A victim of the system. <laughs> I like that. And I think it's a fair, I think it's a fair argument, right? Because we've seen Kai Havertz put on a Germany shirt and he's absolutely fantastic. We've seen him come from Bayern Leverkusen. And the reason we bought him was because from midfield, he could score goals. And so hopefully that gets sorted out sooner rather than later, Rahul, I'll say, and we'll kind of work from there. But if you haven't gathered, we were already playing Leeds. Leeds, for whatever reason, we have a long history with them. And last season on this episode of this podcast, we covered the history behind Leeds and why Chelsea and Leeds just don't just get along. It's one of those where a lot of pressure... Graham Potter was feeling it. The players are feeling it. But while I know Rahul behind the scenes, at least for management, this wasn't a must-win game because he's going to get back. He's going to get time. At least for us fans, it felt like it was a must-win game and we wanted to get something out of it, or at least perform, right, to do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was coming down to, and we've covered it extensively, we understand everything that's happened over the last year, right? It was, I think this weekend was a year since... Uh, Roman had put out his intentions to sell. And uh, ever since then, everything that's gone down, I think we, we're we all fans are very well aware of it. Uh, and we're not saying we should be winning the league and we should be winning the Champions League and we should be doing a quadruple. But I think what at the minimum, what we're expecting is just compete, just do the basic stuff on the pitch. And we weren't seeing that for almost three months now, if you if yeah. you want to go that far back. So... I think that was a frustration. I mean, we're also a fan base. I, I, I'm generalizing it a little bit, but we're also a fan base that is just used to winning and is used <laughs> to, you know, no, no matter what's happening with the club, who's coming in, who's going out, who the manager is, we just end up winning a trophy. And that's been the case for 20 years. So if you think about it, someone that was born 20, 22 years ago, they've only seen Chelsea be this way. So yeah. it's a... Uh, it's a sudden change. It's a it's a change that you have to understand. It's a change that you have to be willing to take on the chin over and over again, which we've done. Uh, and I'm almost, it's not like we're going to end this season and next season we're going to be this great club that just goes back to being the Chelsea of winning things, right? <laughs> it may take some time. You look at United, it took them a little bit. You look at Liverpool, it's taken them a very long time. Uh, Man City even with the money that came in, it took them a little bit. I don't think they won the league until was it 2012, which was maybe yeah. three, four years after uh, the initial investment. So it's, it's not like a switch, right? Next season, we're just going to turn it on and, and suddenly we're going to be a great club. So uh, my, this my just outlook is it will be better, but it's not going to be where it was maybe for another season or two. So I want you to hold that thought in your head because I'm going to finish the segment review of this game. We'll ask about Graham Potter towards the end of it. But let's talk a little bit about Leeds because we know the history. We know that all the fans wanted to win. But you also look at Leeds. They have been a team that has struggled this season, unfortunately, under Jesse Marsh. They've had some good moments. They've had some low moments. We call them United States of Leeds. They've recruited <laughs> a few American players. In this case, I can talk about three that we're familiar with. But they're famous for running bringing that energy. And I think from our perspective before the game kicked off, I was worried we were going to lose this game. And not because on paper we are a fantastic team. I've said that many times, but we always look lethargic. We don't seem like we care enough to want to run and beat the player to the ball. And with leads being the way they are, 
that was my worry. And Rahul, they also have a new manager coming in, in Javi Garcia, who is not the elite, elite manager, but he's been there, done that. He's taken teams up and he's done things with them to get them to be successful. So it was going to be a difficult time. Let's talk about the first 20-odd minutes or so in the first half. It seems to be a typical Graham Potter 20 minutes where we have a lot of the ball, we dominate, we make chances, but we never seem to get the ball to go in the net. And after that 20 minutes, I think, at least for me and some fans, you start to get a little bit nervous because Chelsea's trajectory kind of goes on the decline right after that. And that's been, like you said, that's been the case for a most of this season is we start off well, we dominate, we tend to create a couple of chances. And once we don't put them through, the other team settles in. And, and as a visiting team coming to Stamford Bridge, they're always going to be a little bit tight in the beginning. They're going to, yeah. going to want to uh, not be too open, expansive, whatever you want to call it. And so we will always have more of the ball. We will always have more of the possession. But... Uh, it always takes that goal, right? Whatever, whoever scores the first goal, especially in, in games that both teams are struggling, both teams come in not in great form, whoever gets the first goal opens it up a little bit. And unfortunately, we it took us a while, but it did come our way. And uh, I think the challenge for Potter is going to be how do we continue from 20 to 45, yeah. to 60 to 90 with the same kind of momentum in, mm-hmm. in possession and uh, dominance of the ball uh, with scoring, which is the, the crucial part. I think the scoring is an absolutely crucial part. And I don't have the stats by half, but I think overall, Rahul, I'll look at the high-level stats with us having 13 shots, but only three on target, 58% of the ball, 579 passes to their 425 with an 87% pass accuracy. It's the same story week after week, week after week, right? And it takes me back to Jao Felix hits the bar in that first half and Kai Havertz has almost a one-on-one with the goalkeeper and he tries to lob it over, but it's not clinical enough. Fofana in that first half has a corner and he's jumping higher than anybody else, but can't get it on target. And those are some high-level highlights that happen there. What do we need to do on the training ground to change that fun word we use, which is XG, to actually make it G now? We need some goals and get a few more in there, at least when we're in the, the up and up. Put the game to bed. I honestly, I don't know because we've we we've spoken about this for I think every episode for the last two years that we've been doing this is how do we score more? How do we end up getting more than one or two goals a game? Like we saw today, and I know we'll get to it, <laughs> but get to four, five, six, and continue going and not stop. Uh, and I don't know if it's training because in training, yes, you can do as much as you want, but you can't replicate the in-game moments. Uh, and honestly, at this point, I think we're just, it's just bad luck. It's a curse, yeah. whatever you want to call it. And I know some people may say uh, they don't believe in that, but you can't tell me we've missed seven out of the last seven big chances. Uh, and it doesn't come down to luck or it doesn't come down to just something beyond the natural talent or the way a game is played or who the chances are falling to. I don't know. Uh, so, I think we continue to create, we continue to do the right things. And one of these days, keeping my fingers crossed that <laughs> it changes, we start getting the ball in the back of the net and we hopefully kick on from there. But until then, I think we just have to keep trying and keep trying and, and create the chances, which is the bigger part is uh, if we're not even creating the chances, then we're not even talking about scoring because we're wondering what's going on with the creativity. So 
it's we're at the doorstep. We just got to knock that door down at some point. I think that's really well said. And I think ultimately, this is just my opinion. I think it comes down to confidence, Rahul. And I think if you get a couple of games under your belt and you win, not necessarily winning in fantastic ways like we did in this game, right? You you just get a win, but you score a goal here. You do a flick and it works for you and it goes in. Or you, you smash one from outside the box and it's a heavy deflection, but it goes in. I feel like all of those things will add up to just give the confidence to the individual players now. Like anything I try is working versus unfortunately we've been on such a horrible run of form. It's like, I don't even want to try because it's not going to work. And so even though you're, you're creating those opportunities, it's always in the back of your mind of like, it's not going to work. It's not going to go in. I'm going to hit the post. I'm going to get tackled, whatever the situation may be just a few more of these games in a row where I think you said it best, just, pack the team, grind out a result where your confidence kind of grows from there, and hopefully you'll see it take off and go from there. That's that's all we can do is get a few more results, get some momentum going, which I think we we were headed towards with mm-hmm. winning at Crystal winning against Crystal Palace, going away to Liverpool, getting a draw. Uh, but I think we've just struggled to kind of kick on this season where we've had a few good results, continue to build up on that and we we stumble, we fall down, we fall on our faces, and we can't get back up until it's too late uh, yeah. because we now have a bloody nose. But uh, I'm going to stop with all my anal- analogies. We'll come <laughs> back to the game. But I think it's – look, this season's a write-off. It's pretty mm-hmm. much done at this point. I think if we finish anything beyond 7th, 8th, I think we'll be happy. But uh, we just got to continue doing the right things. doesn't matter what happens this midweek game. Uh, we have, I think – 13 Premier League games, if I'm not wrong, uh, maybe 14. And we just got to use those, like I've been saying for Graham Potter, to play the guys that he thinks he's, that he wants to keep for next season, maybe test out a few more, test out new things, uh, and see where we end up because we're not getting relegated, but we're also not getting into the top four. So we might as well just use it as, as an opportunity to do a preseason before the preseason. Famous last words, we're not getting relegated. And I hope I can stay with you there as we go through and build on this win. Also, a lot of fans will will argue with you and listeners will tell you that that midweek game against Dortmund does matter to them. But look, I, I hear what you're saying. I completely understand. Let's come back to the game. One of the things that has frustrated me this season, Rahul, is that our players go in at halftime. They get 15 minutes with Graham Potter. They immediately come out and we look like an atrocious team. We actually get worse, which is shocking to say. And I've said... What are these conversations? What is he telling them? What are the tactical changes? It makes no sense. In this particular game, we come back out and we look decent. I'm not going to say we were good. I'm not going to say that we had done something fantastic. I think we came back to status quo where we left off in the first half and we continued there. But we push, we push, we push. We get a corner and who steps up? Fofana towers over everybody again. And I think... When that header goes in, Rahul, Stamford Bridge is absolutely <laughs> buzzing. I'm not sure if they're celebrating or they're screaming from relief. I'll let you take it from here. I, I think it's relief because, <laughs> like you said, and and I I think I pointed this out at, on our Twitter, was against Southampton, we conceded right before halftime. Against Spurs, it was right after halftime. And so... Right. If if I've seen it, and you know a lot of other fans have seen it, I'm sure the staff, the players, it's kind of playing on their mind too. Where maybe we've dropped our, our attention, our focus, and we've yeah. paid for it heavily because that changes the game. Like I said, so uh, I think 
getting through those periods was crucial. And then getting the goal right after that in the second half, I think it was five minutes in or six minutes in, uh, was the turning point in the sense that it was the first goal. We then knew what Leeds would be doing would be to come out and we knew what we had to do was defend. Uh, but coming to the goal, it was how fitting was it? We go to a back three yeah. and a defender steps up from a set piece to score. Um, I think that's just, that's just what we have to do for the rest of the season is put out the three back at three at the back and, and let the defenders do the business. But uh, I, you got to give credit to Fofana. You got to give credit to, Ben Chilwell for that ball that he put in. Uh, and we do need to talk about him because yep. I asked for it. And I know you you have a few different ideas, but at, playing him in that left wing back position was a game changer. He kept finding himself free. He kept finding opportunities. I think he even would have scored on a different day. Um, so I was excited to see him. It, and it's been a while since I've been excited to see any Chelsea player uh, but that ball he put in, and Fofana, to his credit, Air Fofana gets up, gets his head on it. Uh, Kai Havertz was right behind him. I wonder what would have happened if it fell to him. Uh, but I think it was a goal we deserved because we were the better side. We were the team that were trying to do things and create things. And we get the goal that ultimately gets us the three points. So you open the draw and you want to talk about Ben Chilwell. And I don't want to talk about Ben Chilwell as well, but give me just a minute to talk about Fofana. And I think it's important to shed some light on Fofana for just a minute. We haven't seen the best of him, like you said earlier in the episode. I, I forget what we paid for him, Raul, 70, 80 million. And to be completely honest with you, I forgot he played for us. When we saw Fofana coming back onto the... And, and that's not to be rude. It's just, I think we've really only seen him in a Chelsea shirt in match days like four or five times maximum. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but that's what it feels like. He's been out injured. He comes back in the last game and he was fine. He did well. In this particular game, he comes back in and I'm like, yeah, we have Fafana, 80 million. He should do something on the pitch. But I thought he really stepped up to show us what he's all about. And I think more than him being a good footballer, what I noticed about Fafana is he's a fantastic athlete. And I think there's a difference there. I think he shows a lot of pace. I think he shows a lot of physicality. I think that his energy levels to just make those leaps and jump, not just in the attacking third, but defensively is maybe something we're missing. Somebody who can actually cover that height that we need. Of course, Thiago Silva, Koulibaly, Badia Shield can do it. But he just seems to be that extra athletic level, which I'm excited to see as he grows and progresses. Because like you said, we did pay for that future and what he can become as he grows and he's nurtured into this. It'd be fantastic to see in the next five, six years for Fana and Badia Shield together. It would be absolutely an amazing partnership if they can flourish together and kind of grow from there. But let's move on to Ben Chilwell for just a second, Rahul. For me, he was the man of the match. I thought he showed energy. I sh thought he showed willingness to get up and down that left wing. I thought he showed determination. He was putting in tackles, and I liked the little bit of spice that he had towards the end <laughs> there and trying to sh get into a little fight with Tyler Adams and say, I don't know what was said, but I'm glad there was a little bit of spice because in these fixtures, you expect that, and I feel like we've been missing that against Tottenham, now against Leeds, and so Ben Chilwell, maybe being there a little bit longer than some of the names being English kind of knows the history behind this and wants to kind of feed into it. I He was definitely the best player. And he almost looked like a player that had been, the shackles had been taken off. Graham Potter was like, I'm putting you in this position. It's kind of a free role, but it's not because you got to do your job on the left wing. But I say free role because at one point, and I think it was later in the second half, we were defending. It was a counterattack, I want to say. And he ends up on the right wing 
trying to clear the ball and he actually gets it and he he clears it out so he was all over the place and and I just want to take a step back and look back at the injury he suffered the ACL tear uh, which was a little bit over a year ago now and and that's not a small injury that's an injury that can change careers that's an injury that can end careers Uh, but he's come back he had another setback earlier this season but he's come back again and he's fought hard so you've got to give him credit for for because sometimes with that injury, you almost want to hold back a little bit. Yeah, you don't want to put in these tackles. You don't want to run too hard. But even I think it was the 90th minute, he was running like I was like, just stop and just stop because I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm concerned something's gonna go wrong the way things yeah. are going for us. Uh, but he's been he's been great, uh, and I want to see more of him because we've suffered on that left wing left back position this season, and uh, him coming back will almost push Kukurea, who's the reason we've suffered this season. Um, and I think on the other side, when Reese is fit and ready, having him there on the, as a right wing back will, will change games for us, Jackie. I truly believe it. And I'm glad that Graham Potter did the right thing and put his two best players, one of them in this game, in a position that he will flourish in. And going back to Fofana, I just want to say I looked it up. I think it's seven appearances, two goals. So maybe we, <laughs> our striker exists within the squad. We may just have to switch him around. I'm just kidding. I think uh, he's been he's been a good addition to the squad, and the fact that he's played in the Premier League already for a few yeah. seasons changes how you know we bring him into the squad and say, yeah, get into a game against Leeds and and perform basically. So those two, Chilwell and Fofana, for me, were our two best players on the day. I really hope that they get to stay fit and continue because while they have been the best players for that game, they do have their past of injuries. And so hopefully they're with us and we continue from there. But let's talk about substitutions for a minute and Graham Potter's infamous infamous subs or lack thereof when their time <laughs> is called out. So, you know, we're, we're winning this game one nail, Rahul, and you start to see Leeds kind of grow into it. Obviously, and I think it was all expected, Leeds had to come out to try and get something out of this. I was fortunate enough to be sitting at the pub with a couple of the Houston supporters group watching this. And I think we said, if Leeds comes out, this is a perfect time for maybe a, a Mudrik, a Madueke, somebody who can come in and play on the counter and get in behind Leeds. Because we did have some momentum, some confidence, get that second goal and finish off this game. But let's talk a little about the subs he, he makes for a whole 68 minute. Raheem Sterling comes off for Dennis Zakaria. And then you take Jao Felix off for Conor Gallagher. And look, before we discuss this, I want to be very, very straightforward. Dennis Zakaria and Conor Gallagher, to me, are good players. They're fantastic players that can come on and do a job. However, to me, it sends a message. We're trying to shut down shop and be a little more defensive. I don't know what your feelings and opinions on this are. So I agree with you, right? And I'm not saying um, those subs were the right subs. But then I think about it. And I say, well, Mason Mount's injured, so he's missed this game. Um, Aubameyang clearly isn't in his in his plan, so he's not going to be coming on. Uh, so I look at it and I say, well, Zakaria is a defensive player. Last week I said, why bring on a defensive player when we're chasing a goal? This week we're we're defending one, a good sub in my opinion. Um, and then Connor Gallagher brings in a little bit of energy, a little mm-hmm. bit of, of aggression like we've been asking for. I think the issue was the two players he took off. Mm-hmm. But he, I think, really was just protecting those two for midweek, which is a bigger game, is a game that will need a, our attacking players. And, and if these two get injured or pick up a knock, 
with then going into that game with really no attacking options in case Mason Mount isn't back. So I'd like to defend him a little bit, Graham <laughs> Potter, and it's rare for me to do that. But I think uh, Jose Mourinho does that, and we say masterclass. He's brought on Mikel in his day uh, to close out this game, and we ultimately do close it out and see see us go to get the win. Uh, he does that with Zachariah. He does that with Connor Gallagher. We do see out the game and get the win. Um, so I I see what you're saying, but I also want to give him a little bit of credit where he's saying, I got to protect what I got for next week. Uh, so let me give some of these other guys a run out. And Connor Gallagher was not bad. I mean, I think he did a decent job. He put in a few good tackles. He, he won the ball. Um, so I mean, there's nothing wrong with defending what you got at this point. We're not a team that scores two, three, four goals. We're a team that scores one and has to fight for their life, which is a relegation scrap. I appreciate you brought up Jose Mourinho because it allows me to have the conversation that I want to have, which is I think Jose had a method to the madness. I think he understood bringing on a defensive player meant we don't need to go score the goal, but we need to control the game which is hold on to the ball a little more. And here's what I saw, which maybe brings out the frustration, is when we brought on the so-called defensive subs, and, and we'll talk about Conor Gallagher because I do agree with you. I thought he was brilliant. When we brought up the so-called defensive subs, we invited leads onto us, Rahul. For that 10-minute, 15-minute period, we just sat back. We were playing a 5-5. There was no outlet. We were soaking up the pressure, soaking up the pressure. And I get it. I want to win the game as much as you do. Potter wants to have the, the win as well for the fans. But we got to a point where we've been poor. We don't really defend very well. And so inviting that much pressure with no outlet, the only outlet being Kai Havertz, and we've already discussed Kai Havertz. <laughs> it's like, I understand that it's it's a defensive move and you want to protect the lead. But to me, it was kind of fear. I don't know what to do here. I've got one goal. Let me try and just do what I need to do. And we won the front foot for that part of the game where I'm like, let's go get that second. And so I start to question Graham Potter a little bit more. And I, yes, we got the win. So the pressure gets taken off. The fans celebrate for a little bit. We open this segment with the clapping and the cheering. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, this is great. But I start to question his tactics. It's like, really, is this what we want to do? And I know you said we don't have anybody on the bench, but I'm looking at Nani Madueke. He, of course, he came on later. And I'm looking at Mudrik and I'm saying, lots of pace. He has an opportunity to break and do something with it. I'm looking at Chuka McKenna, and he came on later as well. These are the players I thought would come on first, and maybe when you get to that 80-minute, 85th minute, shut it down. But we sat there for 20, 30 minutes just saying, I hope nothing happens. But look, I can't sit here and argue with you for a long time about Graham Potter. We'll talk about Graham Potter towards the end of the segment. Let's move on to a couple of the other subs that did come on as the, the game progressed. Obviously, Nani Madueke comes on and Chukamakana comes on. What do you make of Nani Madueke? I think he's an exciting young talent. He kind of looked like he was interested and energetic to do something in that game. It just was a tough one to kind of make anything out of. So you said it was a tough one to make something out of. But then you're asking for more attacking subs, which is where <laughs> I'm like, there's a disconnect because we're defending. And yeah, maybe Mudrik is, is coming on and bringing a little bit more pace, but... I think he was just trying to pack everything in and say, yeah. I got my three at the back, I got my wing back, so I'm going to put more guys in the midfield, and we'll just write it out, which in hindsight, I, I can sit here and say was the right decision, but maybe yep. in, in the moment, you know, sitting there and thinking about, why don't we kill this game? We're, we're on the front foot. A second goal here puts us in a commanding position, not just today, 
but going into next week, which is when we need the two goals. So I, I agree with you, and I'm not saying those were the right subs, but I'm just kind of trying to play the other side and say though that what the thinking might have been. I think Madueke was okay. Um, I, I, I know there's potential there. I know we bought him for the potential. I'm yet to see it. I think I've seen a little bit more out of Modric, and I've only seen about 30 minutes of, of that potential. Um, so I'm not going to be too harsh on on Nani. He's still got a long way to go to to kind of settle in and, and do the job that he was brought in to do, but he's been okay. I think that's what we could say for most of the players that have come in. I thought we had high expectations, but overall it's taking them a little longer to settle in. There's a lot of turmoil, and we go from there. But ultimately, Rahul, we win that game 1-0. It's something where all of us Chelsea fans were absolutely delighted to just get the three points on the board and look to build off of something. Overall, performance-wise, Rahul, are you happy with what you saw on, on that 90 minutes? No, but I have to realize where we're coming from, which is a third win in 15-odd games, a first goal scored in almost... A month. I think the last time was West Ham, a first win in almost 45 days. So at this point, I don't really care about performances. I think it's more about results and getting them a little bit of more confidence going into yeah. into the following week. So it's not where it needs to be performance-wise, but as long as we get at a result, we, we don't lose miserably. <laughs> um, I think those are the expectations at this point. Todd Bowley was interviewed after the game and he said, it's a result. At least that's the little quote that has come out from after the game. Is Graham Potter safe, Raul? Is it Potter in for you? Is it Potter out at this point? Are you waiting for Dortmund? What's your thinking behind all of this? I, I mean, I've said it in the past and I'll say it again. I, If there was another option out there that I could see would come in and do a job, which clearly isn't going to be the case. I think we've mentioned Pochettino, we've mentioned uh, Zinedine Zidane, we've mentioned Jose Mourinho. I don't think any of them want to come in mid-season or towards the end of the season because what's the point? I don't think they're going to be able to change it. They might as well come in preseason if they want to. But I I think they're going to give Potter the the time and and the resources, which they've already done, uh, and see where it ends up, especially because of what we've heard. Yes, over the course of last week, I think we went from he's not someone that we we want to fire. We fully back him. A couple of days later, it was like, well, let's see how the next two games go. So I don't know what the board is thinking, but I clearly don't think that it's going to be someone that they fire uh, because they've clearly brought him in with the plan and letting him go now changes that. A new manager may not even want some of these new guys. So right. I think he stays. I think he continues to get the backing until at least another year or so. It's going to be a tough road ahead, and I'll say this, Rahul. I've noticed on social media at the very least that some of the toxicity around Chelsea Football Club has kind of slowed down a little bit. I wouldn't say a lot, but a little bit of it has slowed down, and so... There are still people that want Graham Potter out and, and this one nail hasn't won everybody over yet. And I think it's not won a lot of people over yet, but at least it's put our minds at ease. We've got the three points. You can say that we've got a goal for the first time and I don't know how long we've needed to see a goal and we've got that win. So some signs of positivity on that front, maybe not on the footballing terms, but all we can do is march towards midweek and then we'll talk about that in a few minutes here. But 
when it rains, it pours. It rains usually in a positive way, but this way it's going a little bit negative. Let's transition into the women's team, Rahul. I want to talk a little bit about them. And I, and I say rains, it pours. It's been a complete opposite season for Chelsea, where when the women do really, really well, the men do really, really poor. When the <laughs> men squeeze out the win, the women seem to have lost their way. What can you tell us about the Conti Cup final here? thought we were keeping things positive and, <laughs> and like you said usually the the women come in and, and bring the positivity but this time around it wasn't to be we lost the Conti Cup final 3-1 to Arsenal after beating them last weekend but I think if you ask any fan that watched that game or watched these two games last week we won because we took our chances this week we won we lost because we just weren't playing as a team. We were, I think we showed up expecting to beat them, which will never never be a case that will happen because Arsenal are a good team. They're a team that have been good for a while, and, and they were hurting from last week when we beat them, and they had, I think, 20-something shots on goal uh, and didn't get a goal, and we had like four and we got two. So um, there was revenge on their mind, and they certainly got it. I think it didn't help that we scored the first goal, that early too, I think it was in the second minute. So getting a goal that early only adds to the complacency mm-hmm. in a sense because you're thinking, well, here we go again. We're just going to cruise through this. Wasn't to be. We we went two one down and ultimately three one down. Uh, so it's a wake up call. I think we had a wake up call similar to this in the Conti Cup final last year when we lost to Man City. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's a bad record to have now that we've lost two finals, uh, but you know Emma Hayes is not going to be accepting any of that. And I think she said that herself. So it's something that not just the players, but also Emma Hayes has to see as an opportunity to reflect back, see what went wrong, because other teams are going to want to exploit, you know, the the spaces, the midfield gaps, and uh, try to hit us uh, the way Arsenal did today. So it sucks to lose the final. It sucks to lose the trophy especially to Arsenal, but you got to take it on the chin and you got to bounce back, which is fully what I expect them to to come back and do. Yeah, it's disappointing. And, and I agree with you. I think that's something where Emma Hayes, Rahul, is something that I think is the X factor, something that's different. She brings this air of confidence and expectation. And I think we talked a little bit about Graham Potter and if he was to leave, who would come in? And I think we've said many times it's somebody who could command a dressing room the moment they walk through it, through the doors and you know everybody respects them. And then I think I saw Emma Hayes' interview after the game, and, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but here are some things she said, which the reason I'm bringing this up is I expect this from every Chelsea manager at every level because that's what I want to see as a football club. She basically said they were not good enough. She said she has high expectations and they did not meet them today. She wants and expects. I think that's what's key. Not only does she want, she expects a reaction on Wednesday, and not only will she get it, she'll find a way to get it. I don't know if that means she's going to change players, drop players, have extra training, strong talkings to. Essentially, I feel like she's a mentality monster, and I think you talked about it, Rahul, whether a video release, I don't know if it was on Amazon or just a YouTube clip where she asked a player, what have you won in your career, and what medals have you had in your career? And I think the player said none, and she goes, yeah, that's not Chelsea. We win stuff here, and I think she wants a team that never, ever drops the standard, no matter what game it is, no matter what day it is, no matter the weather, no matter how you're feeling. And if you're not up to it, you're not in her squad. And so I love to hear those things in the moment of darkness where 
yes, now you've lost two Conte Cup finals. What can you come back and do from it? Just having her say those things tells me she's going to stir the ship back onto track and we'll kind of go forward from there. And we're still in three tournaments, right? So it's not the end of the world at this point. It, no, it definitely isn't. And it's a, a competition that we won. I know last season we didn't, but before that, I think it was through two or three seasons in a row. So it's not one that we're not familiar with or something that we just can't get over the line. It maybe just comes down to other teams are, are a little bit more hungrier because they've seen Chelsea be successful. It's at a point of the season where we just played that team and, and you usually know when you play a team a week before a final and you beat them, they have that extra motivation. So it comes down to a bunch of other things, but ultimately, like you said, Emma Hayes is not going to accept it and she shouldn't because she's someone that has won a lot. She's got into where she is because she's got the mentality, like you said. So I, I think this is something positive only because... If you have the complacency within the squad and you come in and you win it anyway by just showing up, that doesn't help you down the road because you continue to carry that feeling. Suddenly you get slapped in the face with the result like this and, and you say, wait, hold on a second. I maybe need yeah. to train a little bit harder. I need to do things a little bit different. Uh, and going into the season, like you said, with three more competitions, that gives you the opportunity to do that. So. Let's hope it, it, it gets better and it comes back at the end of the season with a few more trophies. Yeah, it's a slap in the face. It's a reality check. And so we'll move on from there and hopefully get better. Let's talk about a reality check and come back to the Premier League, Rahul. Let's talk about Eric Sevenhag. I'm, I'm sorry, that was a horrible <laughs> pun. Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United against Liverpool. I don't even know how to open this segment or even talk about it, Rahul. Manchester United have been a team that has turned their season around. They've been absolutely fantastic for the last three, four months. I think they've gone 18, 19 games on the bounce with out of 22. Marcus Rashford has rediscovered his form. He's the next big thing. And on the opposite side of the house, Liverpool have been with Chelsea kind of scraping at the bottom of the barrel, trying to win here, win there. You look at the game today and you look at the first half and you go, fun first half, one punch here, one punch there. Somebody's going to knock out the other in a few minutes, but they always get back up and move forward. Okay, Liverpool go in one nail. Man United have everything to play for. And then it's two. And then it's three. <laughs> and you know what? After three, the game's over. It's all right. But then it's four. And then it's five. And then it's six. And you're like, you know what, guys? I think this is over. Each of their front line has scored twice. Let's make some changes. And then it's seven. And you go, what's going on? What happened to the months of good work? And let me say one more thing before I pass it over to you. I sit there and I watch a game and I'm enjoying myself. My wife goes off and does different things <laughs> during the day. She doesn't really care about what's going on in the match. She couldn't take the eyes off the game where she was like, it's four, it's five, it's six, it's seven. And Rahul, at one point she goes, where's the mercy rule in football? You need to get these guys <laughs> to stop scoring against Manchester. And that's how you know she felt like this was crazy. But I don't know what your opinion, your take on the entire game was, but it was absolutely incredible to watch. But so, so crazy in a wake-up call for Manchester United at the same time. Uh, it, it 100% was crazy. And uh, before I get into it, I just want to say it. For as bad as we've been, we haven't lost 7-0. So <laughs> Graham Potter's got something going the right way. Uh, but, but jokes aside, I think it was, honestly, like you said, the first half was Liverpool were the better side and deserved to get the goal. But even at that point, you never felt this was a 7-0 game. And, game and, 
second half, okay, three nil, and then you think, okay, someone's you know, they're just going to set off and yeah. kind of see this game through. But I think at that point, Liverpool smelled blood, and at home against their biggest rivals, they said, you know what, we may not be having the best season. United have been having a better season. We're just going to go for it. And boy, did they go for it. I mean, every time they would attack, it was goal. Salah, goal. Fabinho, goal. <laughs> Nunes, goal. And I'm like, what is going on? Uh, and then I ended up looking at the stats, and I think it was Liverpool had, Jackie, eight shots on target and wow. scored seven, seven of those. <laughs> so it's something. It was, a, it was a crazy day. It was a day where everything they touched, especially in that second half, turned, turned into a goal. Yeah, And it's just one of those things. You take it on the chin like you, uh, we've been saying about our team and you just have to reset and come back. And I think there's a level of heads went down and maybe, you know, being a professional went out the window. And Eric Seven Hag said the same thing was that at some point, this is not the Manchester United you come to expect. This is not the Manchester United. I know they gave up, their heads dropped, and that's not acceptable. And I think... You and I message a lot when we watch football games. And I think even after 3-0, even 4-0, Rahul, you just shut shop and you say, it's a bad day. It's not working. Let's just finish this game with 4-0. But you could see they just didn't care. And that's what's scary about this whole thing is how quickly a fantastic season can crumble when you're not in it for just a minute. It just takes a little bit of a percentage drop to go off. And a team like Liverpool, who's not having a good season can take that percentage up to a three and absolutely destroy you. So I think it's a message. And I love that you said that Chelsea haven't conceded seven. It means that <laughs> somewhere along the line, we are trying, we're doing our best to at least not completely fall apart and disintegrate. So <laughs> I, I don't know how much more we can talk because we also lost it's, one nil uh, to Southampton, but yeah, I'll pass it back to you here. No, I was just going to say, we, we don't concede seven, but it also takes us, I think, it was 13 games for us yeah. to score seven. So <laughs> Liverpool did it in, in a game of 90 minutes. So uh, there's two sides to the coin. But it again, I think for 10 hog or seven hog, if that's what we're going with, <laughs> or 10 minus three hog, um, it's game management, right? And I think mm -hmm. you and I were debating about our subs. But you look at the subs in, on that side and you're thinking, maybe just pack the midfield and put someone there just sitting in at three nil down. It's at Anfield where you barely win anyway. I think just, just say, you know what, we're going to be defensive. And I think Mourinho has done it in the past where he's yeah. gone there and been defensive and United fans, Gary Neville. Well, why don't you come out and play? Well, see what happens when you come out <laughs> and play. So um, I think it comes down to, you know, him also learning from this experience, yeah. from this um, defeat and saying, Maybe I, I do things differently, which will help be helpful for them. It hopefully will be a lesson and they'll kind of figure it out as they go through from there. But Liverpool looking good. I'll go through the Premier League table in just a minute here, Rahul. I want to talk about City. 2-0 against Newcastle. Business as usual. They seem back to winning ways. Absolutely. They're, for everyone's sake, I hope they continue doing this because <laughs> I know the next result you're going to talk about. And, and that one was a shocker in the beginning and a shocker at the end. So let's jump into the next result. It's the top of the table versus the bottom of the table. And it's going on similar time to when Chelsea are playing Leeds. And so we're not paying too much attention to it, Rahul. And I think it's 1-0 to Burnmouth. Okay, you know what? It's a fluke. 2-0 to Burnmouth. And, you know, I'm sitting in the pub and I go, I don't look at the teams above us because it doesn't make sense to watch what's going on to Arsenal. But this could get interesting. And you start paying attention 
and you hear it's 2-1. Okay, maybe there's a comeback on. It's 2-2, 95th minute. This is brilliant. They've done very well. They've at least pinched a, a draw here. But you know, when things are going for you and you have to win a league, everything goes your way. 97th minute, Reese Nelson. What a screamer to win this game 3-2 and they get the three points. You 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 said everything perfectly. I, I was also keeping a tabs of this score. And, and you know, when we watch it on NBC in the top corner, it says yep. the scores. So I saw 1-0 Bournemouth and I'm like, you know what, Arsenal are going to come back. And it was halftime, they're still 1-0. And then suddenly I'm like, it says 2-0. I'm like, what the hell's going on? So I opened the app and it's, it is 2-0. And I'm like, wow, maybe maybe Arsenal are going to fall. And then it's 2-1. And I think I texted you and I was like, Partey scored. And then maybe 10 minutes later, I'm like, it's actually 2-2. <laughs> um, and our game ended. And what NBC does is they usually switch over to, to the other game that's still going on. It was the Arsenal game. And I'm sitting there and watching. And I'm like... Maybe I should just keep sitting here and it'll end as 2-2. <laughs> but I got up and as I'm walking away, they scored the 3-2. And I was like, I should have just sat there because this is because of me. <laughs> so jokes aside, I think, like you said, Arsenal, it's going for them. They had a, a comeback win against Villa earlier yeah. uh, in the month. And they've had two great comeback wins now. And, and that just adds to the belief. And I think uh, the closer we get, the more they're going to believe and the more we're all going to go into hiding. It's going to be tight. It's going to be close towards the end of the season because there is still a six-point gap and they have to play each other. But look, it shows me signs of a team that truly believe, they truly have that never-say-die attitude, which you want from champions. And unfortunately, the champions elect, you could say, are in London and we don't like that. But nevertheless, fantastic game. And it's a lovely advert for the Premier League and shows what can happen week in, week out with, First playing the 20th. But let me run through the Premier League table before we go to Champions League, Rahul, really quickly. Arsenal in first with 63 points. Manchester City, like I said, with 58 points in second. Man United in third with 49 points. Maybe they're falling out of the title race now as people were saying they're in there, but it seems a little bit difficult. Tottenham in fourth with 45 points. And pay attention to Liverpool in fifth with 42 points, but a game in hand. So that might get very interesting. I'm not going to talk about Chelsea. We're mid of the table, shameless down there. But at the bottom, relegation, dogfight, Burnmouth with 21 points, Southampton with 21 points, Everton with 22 points, Leeds with 22 points, and West Ham sitting in 16 with 23 points. So this could get very, very interesting. That 100 million Declan Rice price could drop down very, very quickly if they get relegated. Not sure if that will happen, but that's the Premier League table. Let's I, like how, I like how shameless we are that we're talking about <laughs> still buying players. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> we got to find some players at a deal at this point, Rahul. If we're not going Champions League, the budget is going to change quite a little bit. <laughs> but look, let's talk about the Champions League that we are in currently, and let's talk about Dortmund. I know you have a little bit of insights about the game, so why don't you share that with us? Yes, yeah, so Dortmund come to the bridge for the very first time in their history, in our history too. Uh, actually, the game, the reverse game in Germany was the first time both teams faced off. So uh, it's going to be a new occasion a new stadium for them to be at uh and hopefully that will go against <laughs> against them uh they've lost their last five champions league away games against english sites so another uh stat that falls into our favor uh chelsea have lost the first leg of a knockout stage for the eighth time but in the last um seven they've ended up going through uh and in three of them they've been eliminated so it's kind of in the balance there uh, and Dortmund have won five of their last six first leg games and only um, gone out once. So 
that tells you everything we need to know. It's finally balanced. It's a game, even though they have a goal uh, coming to the bridge, we expect Chelsea to be difficult to, to beat, get a couple of goals. But with the form we're in, no one knows what's going to happen. And look, in that first half, we were not bad. I I might even venture as far to say we might have been the better team on the day. I think it just came down to what seems to be our issue over the last few months is not being able to score a goal. So keep that in mind because we'll go to score predictions towards the end of it. Dortmund coming to the bridge. What's the formation? Is he going back to a four? Is he going to a three again and trying to figure it out? What do you want to play? Sorry, Rahul, can you can you tell me your formation again really quickly? My bad. Um, I think we go back to a three or we continue in a three with Reese James coming back. We have to utilize the strength that he brings on the right wing. We utilize what Chilwell does on the left. Uh, and we stay solid at the back and, and hopefully nick a couple of goals up top and, and it changes the game. Uh, the other thing, Jackie, is I think with those two, you kind of stretch the field because you're mm. adding more width, and that opens up gaps in the middle un- unless Dortmund want to stay all, all down the middle, which I don't think will be the case. So I think we go go with the back three. Okay. And then you're going to play that three up front. Who are the three up front you're looking to start with? Well, one of them is King Kai. Or, okay. Or, <laughs> as you said, I, I forgot to mention this during the Kai Havertz segment. On Saturday, guys, Jackie texts me. He goes, <laughs> King Kai has turned into Crap Kai. And he says, Crap with the K. So that, that tells you what he's been thinking about. But uh, I think King Kai Champions League is where he'll get a goal. I, I'm, I'm hanging my hat on that. Um, and then I think Raheem Sterling, for yep. how much I'm not a big fan I think he was really good against Leeds the other night, so he needs to kick on and, and hopefully contribute with a goal or an assist. And I don't see anyone but Jao Felix. I know mm. Mudrik may be an option, but I think Jao Felix will, will continue. Okay, and you're looking at Chilwell and Reese on the wing-back positions. Who's the pivot for you? Enzo and I think Kovacic. I think that's fine. And I think a back three is, is pretty easy to pick with KK, Fofi, and, and Chalo because of selection issues there. So again, a few changes, which I think Chelsea has struggled with, but at least a front three, front four-ish kind of developing. You're looking at a back three. If he can stick with that, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to push you. Do you think we can score two goals and get out of this tournament for the next stage? Do you know what? We created quite a few chances in Germany, and I think the crossbar, the post prevented a couple. The goalkeeper was the man of the match that night. If we come back with the same aggression, the same Mm. determination, and and being at home under the lights, I think we can do it, and I'm going to go for a 3-1 on the night, which would be 3-2 on aggregate, which would put us through. Every time I select more than one goal for a score prediction, you ask me, <laughs> when was the last time you saw a score more than two goals? Do you really that's, think that's we can fair. get three? <laughs> I I do because it's an opportunity. It's a, it's basically if you don't win this game, it's done, right? Yeah. And we've seen, I think a few weeks ago, we spoke about our Chelsea knockout team. I think if we go with the back three, which is what this team is familiar with, which is what the, the key players are familiar with, Reese James coming back, Ben Chilwell playing. That gives me confidence that we will get three. And and Jackie, we've done it in the Champions League before yep. with, with this formation. We beat Juventus. We've beaten 
uh, Real Madrid away from home. We scored three there. So I think we can do it. It's on the night if we come out and and stick to the plan and and if things go our way too. I'm not saying it's fully down to us, but things have to go our way. So, and it's rare for me to predict anything different than a one, one or a one nil or a nil, nil. So yeah, I feel good. I feel confident. It's not because of leads. It's just down to the occasion and what it means. And I think this could be a moment for us to kind of knock that door down. As I said earlier, this episode, I'll give you my score prediction and then we can, you can take us home to wrap it up. But I think everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I don't think it's down to leads. I think it's, there's really nothing to lose. We're going out anyway. And I think this is the first time in a long time, Rahul, that I'm kind of pleased that there's no away goals rule because even if <laughs> Dortmund pinch one, we have a chance. But I think Chelsea can do it. I think we have the opportunity to just put it all out there and get a couple of goals. So I'm going to go for a 2-0. We win it in regular time and we move on. And after that, hopefully it's something we can build off. But 2-0 would be absolutely freaking fantastic. It definitely will be. And I think we deserve it as Chelsea fans for how much we've <laughs> suffered. So the footballing gods, if you're listening, please, please, please let it happen. Let us get through. Uh, and then at that point on in the quarterfinal, you never know. I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but <laughs> let's get through this on Tuesday night, guys, and, and then we'll pick it back up. Uh, but that wraps it up. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea on all podcast providers, Instagram, and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chelsea. And we will be back with the Dortmund review and a Leicester preview. But until then, stay safe and up the shells. Hey, guys. The Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top-quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.